0: everybody, welcome. Welcome, it's Max Fun Drive, and you know what that means. It's time for another VV Adventure Zone Zone, a podcast about a podcast that we, where we talk about ourselves, I guess? Like we answer, you you have sent in questions and we are going to very masturbatorily talk about ourselves (laughs) and our great ideas for like an hour to an
1: hour and a half. These are maybe my least favorite episodes to do. I'm on the record as saying I don't like to do this. Oh really? The problem is the The Adventure Zone Zone is such a good name. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It like it's illegal in my hand.
0: Well, that's the thing. Just to keep the copyright on the, the Adventure Zone Zone, we have to do at least one a year.
2: Yeah. Uh, and if one or, of us passes yeah. away, we have seven years to just like keep keep it keep But refreshing. the last one alive will get all of the money. It's our it's our tontine. Yep. All right. Um,
0: I'm so looking you all, forward
2: to that. Yeah, right. It's not
0: gonna be you, Dad. It's no, sure it's not. not. It's not. No, sure come not. on. Um, you've you've lived a full life already. Um <laughs> and you've already won all those other tontines. Um so, uh you all have sent in a lot of questions and we're gonna try to answer as many as we can. Uh, but first the reason we're doing this, as I said, is it's Max Fun Drive. So, real quick, uh, once a year. We offer people the, the chance to become a max fund member. Um, and what that means is you go to maxbonefund.org slash join, you pick a membership level that works for you, you pick which shows you listen to, and your the, the money you give goes directly to the shows you support with a little bit going to Max Fund to help them keep the lights on. This year is a little bit different. We're running it for a month and it's super low pressure. So if you're able to become a member, awesome we totally appreciate it maximum slash join if you're not able to that's totally cool too everybody's totally cool and we love you no matter what you know we always say whatever level works for you but i think this year maybe it's whatever level works for us
1: well why don't we have people sort of clear it with us like this is what i'm thinking what do you guys (laughs) need from me
0: you know what i mean well that's kind of the opposite of what I was saying,
1: where it's hmm, like up to to three. Is that sort of where we're at?
0: Sure, sure, sure. Uh, So let's get into the questions. Uh, So this first one, uh, this is pretty all encompassing really. This is from Ed. As a content creator, how do you balance out telling a story you want to tell while also listening to feedback from the audience and incorporating audience
2: feedback into what you do going forward? Uh, I don't see why those two have to be different. Necessary. I, I don't know. It, at least in in balance and amnesty, I never felt like I had an idea for like the narrative arc of the whole story as like it it panned out from you guys playing the game and from what I had prepared. And then it wasn't like the audience like their their feedback or whatever like completely negated or like tugged it in a different direction. I f- I I don't I don't think those two things have to be at ends at at, at, yeah, at odds I, with each I,
0: other. I think it's actually kind of the benefit of doing it the way that we do it because like if you write a novel or like make a movie or something you don't get feedback on it until it's finished and released yeah and we as we're like creating it we can kind of see like oh this this you know npc kind of struck a chord with people or like oh i I, people are kind of very interested in this plot line right and we can kind of craft it and tailor it as we go. I think the tricky thing is trying to find a balance uh, between like subjective and objective feedback because, you know, everybody has different things that they're interested in and things where they're like, I want more of this. And it's like, okay, cool. I understand you want more of that, but does that actually like contribute to the quality of the product or is that just your personal you know, your personal aesthetic. And so that's kind of the thing where it's, it's about like filtering and looking at what the actual like nugget of the feedback is of, and like, that's something that I've been working really hard on is like kind of aggregating the feedback and saying, okay, so, You know, it looks like the thing that I need to work on because, like, these 20 people all kind of circled around the same
2: idea. I need to work on this without that actually changing the plot, you know? For sure. Uh, Related question. Here's one that I guess Billy and Liza or Lisa both sent in. How much preparation does everyone do before they sit down to play? Maybe listen to the previous episode, review some notes, or just roll up and start playing, Uh, which is interesting because, like, I I feel like we've talked about that from the DM perspective, but... um, I am curious specifically, I guess, how Justin and Dad think about prep before we record. Because I, I admit I don't really do a whole lot, aside from making sure my like character sheet's in order.
1: I do mainly research into uh, the culture, fear world culture. I feel like uh, what has made this character inter- interesting to play is where he sort of doesn't necessarily click with the other people in terms of their cultural values, I guess you could say. um, so that has been sort of my main focus. Uh, and let's see. Uh, I listened to the last episode that may seem kind of obvious, but like we go often two weeks without recording. so, uh, I listened to the previous episode, usually at 1.5x. Oh, Yeah. Ooh. Um, and I, I, of course, not on my parts. I slow that down so I can really savor it. I, I slow that down to 0.75 to really, like, mm-hmm. man, well, with the that? fear
0: bog, that's got to take no. forever. Oh.
1: That'd be bad. Well, <laughs> it takes a lot of time to soak it all up, you know? I don't want to miss a, a little, any bomb box. Can
0: I tell you a little secret here about editing with the fear bog? It's like, I have to find a like it's a like surgical of like when I'm doing it with the like pauses for the fear book where I have to decide is that a character choice or is that Justin trying to think of the next thing to say (laughs) (laughs) I do
3: more prep for Argo than I have for any of the other characters I also listen back to the previous episode and actually take notes and and then I try to, um, I, I, since I'm playing a new, uh, a new, I'm playing a rogue for the first time, I've been going back and trying to read up as much as I can on how to do it right. Um, like watch a lot of the, you know, like videos and read a lot online. Um, I'm basically uh, uh, trying to start from the ground up. And then a lot of it is setting the ambiance for me. it's oh, you know, the lighting, you know and 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 being relaxed and calm and and try not to screw it up too bad,
0: yeah, you know so I have two questions for you, Dad, based off of that. one is uh well, the first one is, um, when you say that you do more for Argo than you have with other characters, is that because of the character of Argo or just because like you're trying to stay up on what's happening more like why why um i think uh, well for one thing i i really wanted to try to do
3: something different with argo than than previous characters i i mean i i at least started out that way i really initially thought of him as being a real uh alpha type and a real um old swashbuckling you know ha 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 you know kind of a um, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. kind of kind of thing but Dad, that, aren't there any older actors you could <laughs> reference <laughs> uh, I mean,
1: certainly real, there's someone from the silent film era a real Charlie Chaplin Buster that's Keaton, the only ones that
3: people actually know actually Douglas Fairbanks started in the silent era so yeah that's still works. there we go
2: you um, did it check mark but that
3: but that kind of character doesn't really lend itself to group dynamics. I mean, it's usually a character like that is the captain of the ship, not, you know, and not the the second mate or something. And it just became obvious fairly early on that Argo was not going to be a leader. And and so I, you know, played it differently. I'm trying to trying to play him a little bit differently.
2: I really uh, I I was curious where you were going to go with Argo after like the first few episodes or so i think argo is really interesting as a character that you're playing because i think he's i don't think he's anything like merle or ned uh in that like he is very like uh like quiet and uh observant and like generous in a way that like i don't think any of the characters you've ever played have been uh I, i i'm i'm very interested in like argo's whole whole arc
3: uh, I really wanted him to be a loner, and and in in retrospect, that was a stupid initial choice to make <laughs> yeah. because we can't be. You know, we're 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 doing a team thing, doing it together, right. and so I think I had to. I, I I mean, I mean, I'll be honest, and this is this is really kind of revealing more background than I thought, but you know, I I think we reached a point where it became obvious to the to the all four of us. That one of the three roommates had to be the front man, had to be the the lead vocalist in the band and kind of lead the action. And obviously, be, because I think of their personalities and also because of the where their characters are, it, it be, you know, Fitzroy needed to be that person. So I think at that point, uh, you know, it, it became important for Argo to have his own stuff, but. I th- I think it kind of clicked for me when we started half joking about the whole corporation thing. I yeah, think that yeah. really, that really snapped things into focus for me. And I'm not being funny that that really was kind of a key moment, you know, kind of establishing our roles in on the
2: show and in the group. It kind of had I, to happen that way. I feel like, cause I feel yeah. like we were kind of spinning our wheels a little bit until we hit that point. And like, as uncomfortable as I was like, uh, like taking taking charge, as it were, uh, this framework of like a corporation, I think made sense, and it's also just sort of like mechanically speaking, being the character with high charisma, like being the face of a team, kind of does foist you into that that position. Um, well, I so, mean, like, I can say I can say to that, like, it, I think it's more than that because I think
0: it is. I will say as like the DM and kind of the one, you know, kind of leading the story is if you look at the three characters and like what they want, like what their thing is, like the Fearbug, I I don't think the Fearbug wants to be a leader. I think like the Fearbug is like pure and unadulterated like support. Just happy to be there. He's, you know, a member of the party. And while I think Arco could be a leader, I think he also has it within himself to, like, follow orders. And, you know, I think that he has that kind of crewman, you know, member of of a crew mentality that I just don't think Fitzroy has. And I think Fitzroy has such a conflicted, like, thought about what he wants that Uh, that it makes it easier to tempt him with power you know what i mean and so leadership i think is is more uh of of a carrot for Mm -hmm. for Fitzroy than it is for the other two um but so my my other question well i guess the other thing is like not just dad learning to play a rogue like argo is like our first rogue pure rogue in in playing these games and like I've had to learn how to DM for a rogue too. Cause I realized like about 15 episodes in a lot of my understanding of rogue is built off when I played a rogue in fourth edition, which had significantly different rules for like sneak attack and stealth rounds and stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: Learning curve. Okay. Let's see. Another question. Who else wants to ask a question? You know, I
1: was not looking at the questions. This is on me. Okay. Um, you know, um, I was kind of just enjoying being interviewed in a James Lipton kind of style. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where can I find him? Everybody's talking about well, him.
0: Well, I shared it with you on the docs, in Google Docs. Google Docs. Gotta get to the docs. I. Uh- here's a question somebody asked for me that I can answer while Justin finds the the thing uh for Travis and this is from Avery are there any NPCs that you wish you could explore further in the show and why and in a similar vein are there any NPCs you're surprised about the fan reaction to um I I hope that there still is a chance for it of uh crush and Jimson uh, the the kind of battle teachers former uh, arena champions. Um, I just like them. Um sure. I, I I would like to spend more time with them. Um I'm I, I I it's not necessarily surprised, just so much as I'm really glad that everyone likes Rainier and Festo so much, because they're like my two favorite to get to do. Festo is just they're so much fun to do. Like it's it's the kind of thing where I think Festo is the the one character where like whatever Fitzroy or anyone says to them, I just kinda open my mouth and say whatever and then I'm like yep
2: that's what Festo would say it's Festo is just a lot of fun to be um yeah I'm 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 very the thing I am uh I am the most into this season I have been now that we are like doing this sort of uh war effort like Mass Effect 2 I think it's Mass Effect 2 right And Mass Effect 2 the one where you have to like fly around the galaxy like essentially creating a war like uh, machine for your side. Maybe it's Mass Effect 3. I may be misremembering. But, like, that idea is very cool because now we can, like, fold in whoever we want. Uh, like Justin did in the last episode where you, you uh, what did you say? You promoted Sabor to secondary character. Like, that idea. I, I like. There's a lot of characters who now we have a very good reason to forge a stronger social link with is because like we're gonna need their help um so yeah i'm gonna tap rainier in that way in a, a, a big way i feel like
0: that for me is like kind of my big takeaway just to get a little off topic for a second from this from from graduation so far is like 20 episodes in is like when i feel like i finally said like okay now all the pieces are in place go and i think if like if i could do it all again i think i would have restructured it completely differently to like introduce the like it's it's tough right because like the idea was kind of evolving as i went uh and like i knew we were building towards war but like i kept building other like plot things in that i wanted you guys to know before we got to that and i think like i spent too long building the house before i let you move into it but now i'm really looking forward to like this i mean episode 20 that just went out was like I only had like one third of a page of prep, like of notes, and the rest. Was and like, it was fun
2: what? as fuck. It was yeah. Whatever was, you
0: guys want to do, go for it. And that's what I'm going to try to do
2: more. Do you think I have a? I have a question for you, Travis, because I, I know that that's a thing you struggle with. It's a thing I struggled with in in balance, and certainly in Amnesty too. Uh, is that idea of just like constantly moving the goalpost of like when it's ready for everybody to just have complete freedom and control in? Do you feel a thing? I wonder is if the school setting was antithetical to that or not antithetical but made it more challenging because school is like as a concept like prescriptive like school is a place where you go and the there are rules right and there are i mean there's rules from a like uh uh, you you know student body standpoint like you can't be out after this long or whatever but there's also like you have to go to this class you have to listen to your teachers
0: um, I think it created a good jumping off point, but I think I definitely have felt restriction from it. Like, I, I very early on, like five episodes in, I realized like, am I really like that? I set up this like five years of school, and I was like, am I really gonna try to like big shot su- Yeah, like have summer vacations and like semester breaks and shit. Like it, it, it made it so like if you listen to Balance, like I don't know how long Balance take. Who knows how long the story goes? Is it weeks? Is it months? Is it years? It But I mean, like even then, it's it's it. That wasn't like a prescribed term. It had to where me saying like five years is like that's way too fucking much. So that's why that's why I redid it sort of and said six months. Like I'm I'm going to shorten that that timeline a lot. Um, and I think maybe I think the thing was is like I went into it with a lot of world building done and a lot of like I know I want to build towards a war, but. I also was kind of figuring out a lot of big plot stuff on the fly as I was going because I went into it not wanting to prepare too much. And I think now with 20 episodes under my belt as a DM, like I have a better idea of the things I wish I had known going into it. Because there's a lot of stuff I would have pared back and a lot of stuff like because the other thing that was really restrictive in the beginning that I had to let go of was like I didn't want the school to feel empty. I was like, you know, this is a school full of teachers and students and stuff. And it's like, well, but that involves like, hey, here's day one, 30 character. And it's like, it's very difficult to like do that. And if I could go back. Yes, it is. Yeah, right. (laughs) And so like, yeah, because you ran into the uh, the same thing with commitment, right? With commitment. Yeah. Here's everybody. And it's, it's just too dense. And so like, that's definitely something I would have done differently. Um, here's one for Mr.
1: McElroy. Uh oh no. That's me. Oh. Does the fear actively not want a name, or is it just a matter of not finding the right one yet? Um So this has been a really interesting thing because the Fearbog doesn't ha did didn't have a name it, because his culture doesn't they don't do it. And the most of the names that they started out with using were so bad mm-hmm. that i could only s- push against and it and it just like they kept posting up such dog shit time and time <laughs> again that all i could do was stand in front of the hoop and just swat the attempts out of the way and then eventually they stopped trying which is sad for me cuz i th- i figured he would have a name i am kind of bummed out that like master fearball or just the fearball has been like the 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 nomenclature that everyone has sort of just settled on but it also is like i don't know how to sti- like it feels like i i'm very good at giving myself nicknames right it, it, even amongst my dearest nearest and dearest uh self-styled uh uh names like hoops or right j man or the kid, which never or do- really, <laughs> or Doctor Be- Doctor Beans, yeah, Doctor Beans is not one of them. The other one, the real ones, are ridiculous enough without juicing my stats. But I'm really good at, at that. And I thought that the fairball would like get a name at some point that would stick. But um, I, you know what it is, is weird. Is like uh, it him not having a name made making a name for him into such a th- big thing. Yeah that it couldn't evolve like a nickname would. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it can't just be like a... um, It's just such a big thing not having a name that like some cast-off attempt... Uh, uh can't really is, is is not really able to evolve well, in that vacuum. I don't know if that makes any sense.
2: No, it does. And another thing is like I feel like our constant attempts at trying to give you a name early on was uh representative of our sort of character's relationship at that time and our relationship to the culture that you came from and the way that you still adhere to it. And so our like backing off from trying to name you, I feel like comes from a us like like finally coming to an understanding of that, mm, like, we are, like uh, right? Like, it's not like I'm uncomfortable with the fact that you don't have a name. And so I'm going to keep trying to name you. And instead, it's like, I, I this is not bullshit. Like, this is something I actively thought. And the reason, I think I'm the first one that said Master Fearbold, That, like, I was inspired by um, uh, Final Fantasy IX. my favorite Final Fantasy game. And there's this great moment early on where... Uh, this unlikely group of heroes has come together. And one of them is this very uh, hemmed up knight named Steiner who uh, like upon first meeting this tiny little kid uh, of a black mage who's very mysterious, just instantly recognizes that he is like very, very powerful and adept, even though he is like very humble and starts just calling him like master wizard, just without even making a big deal about it. That like, that sort of reverence for the Fearbolg, I feel like is is like why Master Fearbolg stuck at least for me, and it's why like it is the only name that makes sense, and why trying to give you new names at this point feels like completely ridiculous. I also gave it a lot of thought,
3: and, and on and I'm being honest, Juice. I real oh Juice, I I backed off of it on purpose, just like Griffin said. I I felt like the bold not having a name was definitive of the verbal culture and i realized that you know you were resistant to them mostly because as you said they were terrible um but i think after a while i realized that him not having a name was was part of one of the things that defined him because he is so adherent to his culture and his beliefs and and the way he looks at things that I, I actually have a note, <laughs> I actually have a note on the whiteboard that says,
0: no bold names. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I ran into that when I did the, the dream sequence episodes, you know, because, like, I we had talked a lot, we've done a lot about, like, uh, hero and villain names and, like, cool, you know, monikers for them and stuff. And so, like, Argo got to be the Kraken and, and Fitzroy was the Stormbringer and the Lightning Lord and the Thunder King and then like i got to the fearbulg and i tried to like well what's the fearbulg's cool like superhero moniker and the more i thought about it it was like i i not like nothing fits right and so i i kind of thought about it a little bit in like a guy Ritchie kind of naming thing of like the fearbulg is like his that's that's how people know him as capital t capital f the fearbulg right you know um he does have a name
1: that i call him there's a, let me put it in a different way there is a name on his character sheet yes uh and i hesitate to say that because if i don't want it to become like a big deal it's just like who shot I have mr a name
2: burns for,
1: yeah <laughs> i i have a name for him um that i call him uh that kind of like i don't know that that uh, that felt important to me that i know who who they are um and who he is, but It's Justin too. It's Dr. Beans. It's actually Michael K. Fox. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Do you know that Michael J. Fox's original middle name started with an A, but he changed it because he didn't want people to say Michael's a fox.
0: Ah, very clever. True. Okay, so this is kind of a question having nothing to do with graduation.
2: Uh, For everyone, what is your favorite one shot? And that's from Aaron. It's real hard to beat uh Bigfoot stole my car with my friend's birthday present inside. That was and maybe I'm just saying that because it's one that I didn't have to DM and so it was like the most low pressure for me and the most fun. Uh but that that was a uh I just remember thinking that that was like a fucking hoot. Uh yeah. I, <laughs> that was, I, that's mine as well.
3: I mean yeah. it was fun. Oh man, I I just can't get past um, Hoot nanny. I just, that was every single moment of that was just so cool and, and having had a great reaction and being able to stand on the stage of the Ryman and, and sing together was one of my favorite moments of all time. Not just, you know, doing the one shots. I, I thought that was a blast. Um, I was going to say the one that I, DM.
1: I was time. just about that to mention when I thought people enjoyed it um, and now <laughs> I, don't, I think it's been sullied in retrospect
2: I think Lords of Crunch was a lot of fun I also think my favorite part of it was just the sort of wild chaotic uh, terrified energy that Justin had the sort of quietude that you brought backstage uh, was was really sort of delectable to, to snack on uh, but you also um, did a phenomenal job that will also actually you know what it's funny you should mention that uh,
1: show because it is uh, – You mentioned it. should it, be – But you mentioned it, Justin. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should be in the uh, uh, bonus content by the time you're listening to this for uh, Maximum Fun donors. If you want to hear Lords of Crunch, my adaptation. Uh, adaptions is not a word. My adaptation of the fa- 1983 fantasy novel Lords of Crunch – as a uh, uh, ro- what, what do you call it? role playing game? Yes. Yeah, uh, you can enjoy that one shot. Um, it's I was re listening to it. It's uh, pretty buck wild. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say it's a buck wild thing to hear. Uh, so you can hear that, uh, and I think Toot Nanny
2: is that Toot Nanny will be up at some point. Yes. Okay. That's that's um, uh, the dad run sequel to Toot to Nanny. And also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Dadlands, which was, I think, the only live show that we all played on as Brennan. Oh, that was so fun. Like, the four of us just being
1: able to, like, get silly. Brennan's a legend. Um,
0: I'm glad Aaron asked about this, because I think that the the reason, (laughs) you know, I, I had a lot of fun doing all the balance live shows. But I think the reason none of us are like picking those is like those were really fun, but a little restrictive, right? Cause like we were playing within a canon and playing within a timeline and all that stuff. And then when we kind of like let loose a little bit and said, like, you know what, let's let's get silly with these, like I think that they represent what makes live shows different from regular episodes. I'm just like, all right, listen, let's do it. And yeah. I I've just had so much fun doing those.
2: Yep. Uh, I certainly enjoy a lot more. Not, I, I I think the, the shows we did with balance, like I'm really happy with how we created sort of, um, you know, one shot stories in the balance universe, like with those characters, because it like allowed me to fuck around with some ideas that I didn't necessarily get to get to with the campaign or like, uh, you know, any, any random idea I had like, Oh, I'm, I like wrestling now. Let's do a wrestling one or, you know, whatever. Uh, Being able to do that was very satisfying, but also just like the there is something different about doing it not in balance that is uh, a bit more low stakes and therefore like a bit more you get a bit more freedom to just do
1: goofy balance. Got really hard to return to at a certain point in the live things. It started to feel like, uh, uh, honestly, and I don't know if you guys feel this way, and this is overstating the point a bit, but it, it started to feel like being a cover band of ourselves yeah like it started to feel like I was trying to remember like how these characters sounded and trying to remember a story trying to keep a story in my head that we finished a couple years ago and it's like a few years ago at this point and it's like uh it just started to feel like I don't want to do the thing it's such an important story to me um I started to worry at some point that it would I didn't want to do the thing that would mess it up or the thing that would like, and that's not real. I mean, that's not a real concern because you can explain a lot of that way, but like I wanted to, to, uh, we got to a certain point where we all kind of felt like this is, we have done the things that we are doing with, we need to do with this. Um, So I don't know if we would return to it live um, at this point. I feel like it would, it would be. Unless we had a really good idea. I mean, I feel a really good idea, but never never say never. uh, This question's from Jen. We literally left in a hundred <laughs> years, years yep. of adventure. To <laughs> yeah, be able to bullshit around. Oh, you did it, but I've but our our checking accounts are running low. Let me tell you about this other tale <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've just recalled. One of their greatest adventures. Uh, ah, yeah. most lucrative. Did you hear about the time Magnus saved Christmas? Um, <laughs> we
2: fucking did that. We've done that twice. I know. So Tumblr, take us back. <laughs>
0: Uh, Jen wants to know, how much did you guys discuss the backstories for the Thundermen behind the scenes? I'd love to know how much of creative writing was improv. That was the episode 19, the dream sequences, uh, was improv versus established behind the curtain. Also, uh, another thing I did that was restrictive for myself, I'm really glad I started naming episodes, giving them actual names so I can remember where they went. But that means that every time I finish editing an episode, I have to come up with a name for the episode. And sometimes yeah. that's the hardest part. You, you absolute fool. You dunce. Um, you know, creative
1: writing was really thrilling for me because I had known this backstory for a long time because the accounting thing just kind of popped up. like it, It just made so much sense to me. And at a certain point, like the fear ball getting obsessed with accounting um, because it is so foreign to him uh, is something I really liked about the character. So the idea that I had for a long time was that – and I don't know if this this came across in the episode – was that he was banished for recognizing economics, like basic economics of like hoarding berries for the the tribe when – Barry's supply is high and saving it for when demand is high, but supply is low. And by recognizing the, that basic economic concept is how he got himself banished from the tribe. Um, so, or from his clan rather. Um, so Travis knew the basic beats of that, but the details of the story, which are such a like important story to the fear um were really being sketched out in real time. I mean, it was very creatively thrilling because like Travis and I were kind of making it up together in the moment um and uh that was really exciting because it's such a seminal thing uh, and that is one of the cool storytelling things that I feel like um <clears throat> this sort of improvisational role-playing game style of storytelling, is like uniquely suited to this idea of like collaboratively creating a story in, in the moment, um, which, which we've done, you know, for years, but uh, rarely are the stakes that
3: high. And I don't think we, I don't think between the three players that we collaborate, I mean, that we shared very much of the information at all. Um, and, and I think that kept it kind of cool. You um, you know, Early on, Travis and I had um, had talked about what um, Argo's motivations were going to be and in, in, in his backstory. I think the I think the only thing we did when we shared information between the three of us was when we were creating the characters, because I knew I wanted Argo to be like a, a sailor, I wanted him to be you know from from the sea, and I think Griffin had been thinking about. Some kind of aquatic character as well.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: And so early, I mean, and and we we shared that information, um, so that we you know we didn't wouldn't have too much crossover. Um, but you know that that has been one of one of Argo's main things, and it was a, something that that Travis, um, included was him investigating. Fitzroy, because he was charged with investigating Fitzroy, and I think that's kind of how he started finding out about uh, about Fitzroy,
0: and on all the stuff with the Commodore and stuff. That was stuff that Dad had told me, kind of behind the scenes. Uh, it started, I think, the first time I that he met the Jackal was um, was me like I said like what happened with. Uh, your mom, right? And that's why the Jackal says Mariah, and that introduces, like, who, oh, who's Mariah? What's going on? And so, like, I knew all that stuff. Um, but it was interesting to me, because I was surprised in the moment we were discussing it, of, of Dad being like, you know, I've kind of moved away from that. That, that Argo had kind of grown beyond just this desire for revenge and so then I got really excited cuz I had been planning to then you know introduce the the commodore as an npc in the next episode and I was like ooh this is going to be so much fun um but yeah that surprised me that was great and and it was funny because it, when uh
3: Griffin actually made uh, a a comment in the most recent episode i think it was 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 Griffin called uh, Argo the Count of Monte Cristo? Yeah, or was that you, Justin? <laughs> no, I don't that was remember. Me. Uh, It's Griffin, and I, you know, and, and I thought, oh wow, I I think that subconsciously that's exactly what I was going for, and I hadn't even hadn't even realized that the whole swashbuckling and and you know s- seafaring life and the revenge factor, but like I said, when Argo started off, he was one character, but you know, over the course of these 20 episodes, you know, I think he has grown and, and changed. And I, and I'm kind of interested to see where he goes with the whole thing with the Commodore and everything else.
1: It's, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. yeah.
3: Something we struggled
1: with in amnesty. And I think that it maybe is somewhat improved in graduation, but it is, it's, it's difficult. Uh, it's still a challenge. Um, I don't think – I think part of the reason that balance worked as well as it did and part of the reason that we – it was as strong as it was. And I, this is – the occurred to me like as we're talking about this because I try very hard to never think analytically about everything anything I've ever done. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things we struggle with is, is, is the natural relationship between the characters and building a rapport between the characters and finding time to do that and space to do that. In a way that feels organic, but also fits into, like, a larger storytelling thing. Um, I feel like there are a lot of strong stories in Amnesty, but I feel like their relationships were never as – or at least between the three leads were never as close as they were in Balance. Sure. Do you guys feel that – do you feel like – I was sitting here thinking about it, and I feel like Balance, the Balance characters were – much probably the closest to who we actually are as people. Does that make sense? Huh. Like I feel like and I feel like we were because we were leaning into that a lot of the the
2: relationships sort of took care of themselves. Does that
1: does that I, ring true to you? I, yes, I think that's but. I think
2: that's fair, but I also think it is if you use amnesty as like one end of the spectrum, I feel like your three characters were so different and you came from such different places and when you came together it was to, you know, for this cause, but it's not like you had literally anything in common before that. And so I feel like you had maybe a bit of a longer road to hoe, um, mm-hmm. not just in your identities, but like your backstories had nothing to do with each other. Your you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and in balance uh, and, and also I would argue in graduation, like we uh, the characters are a bit more uh, like what's the word I'm looking for? There's more to fill out there, and so you can fill that out together uh, in a way that, like, I feel like Aubrey, Ned, and and Duck were were pretty well fleshed out before uh, you know the show even started, um, which is a thing we've talked about before, like something we wish we could sort of handle again with Amnesty. But I've, I i do not know. I feel like graduation is. Well, much better in that regard than amnesty. Like I, I feel like I, the relationship I, between the characters is better. It's kind of two separate questions. I'm yeah. curious uh, wh- where you guys your care. You think the characters that are closest. Like obviously
1: I'm I'm not, uh, a magical gay elf. This is not uh, new, but a lot of tacos um, impulses are very close to my own. Right. Yeah. Impulses. I mean, the rhythms. The, the 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 that duck is was very much not me. I I, I was very much not playing myself with Duck. And the, the Fear Bulg is maybe somewhere in between. But
0: uh I don't know. I, I mean, yes, Magnus, Like I think what it is is there was a lot less artifice. Like, eventually, right? And I think all of this is like the same answer, right? Because I think when we started playing Balance, we weren't trying to create a huge epic story. So it was very much just like, I don't know, this is what I do, right? So it was, there was a lot less layers uh, between us and the characters. And I think... But even then, I would say, like, Aubrey is pretty close to me. Like, uh, aside from, you know, being a bisexual Puerto Rican woman, other than that, it's dead on. <laughs> yeah. um, and and I, I kind of, it, it was kind of something I made a conscious choice to for the setup of graduation of, like, I didn't want you all to know each other before because I didn't want you all to have to justify being there together. So it was like, yeah, you're all, you know, Terrace House style meeting each other for the first time on this day. And much like, you know, I, I have people that, like, I was in college with that it's, like, now afterwards I'm, like, I don't know if I was friends with them, but I hung out with them all the time. And, like, I I, I have I've been surprised a little bit because it, a lot of it was not intentional how much of, like, graduation has, in a lot of ways, kind of uh taken on aspects of what the kind of college experience is like. And that was kind of why to to jump back for a second, creative writing that episode was so fun for me to prep. Because there was a little bit of like looking at how their like post college, post school, you know, lives would kind of divulge or stay together. Or like, you know, that I saw the fear bulk as very much the like settling down family man kind of person and not like the i'm still out here adventuring and just stuff like that has been really fun to see and like you know dad talking about how argo has kind of grown from like being and found himself a little bit more as he's been at college and like stuff like that is like not stuff i intended when i started the 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 arc but it's it's really fun to see how that Like, being in school and, like, interacting with other characters and students and stuff kind of naturally makes that happen. Mm. Uh, And it's been really interesting, really interesting to play. I mean, it's a thing I haven't, like, fully discussed with you guys, but one of the things that I've been kind of doing as we played is having all of these forces... Uh, whether it be, like, Chaos or Grey or Hagelmas or just, like, the school in general, the heroic oversight guild, who's sitting there going, like, this is what you have to do. This is how this works. This is how the system works. This is what needs to be done. And, wa- and watching how you guys push back against that, which feels very, like, student in college learning their place in the world, learning, you know, what the thing is. So, like, I wanted to create all of these... Boundaries and restrictions for you guys to kind of bounce off of, um, and find your place in the world. And you guys are doing great at that. Hey, thank. You. Right. I, which which char- your characters do you think is the closest to you?
3: <sighs> um, closest to me. I, you know, I think your point is well taken. I think that when we f- we're doing balance, it was so new and so different. And I didn't really see it as an acting exercise. I saw it as just playing. Um, and so probably when it comes to philosophy and everything else, I think Merle probably closest. I, I had the most fun playing Ned. I had, you know, I felt like Ned had a lot of the same BS, you know, bigger than life, center of attention, egomaniac that I uh, embody. Mm-hmm. Um it, it Argo has actually, and I've I've given this a lot of thought too, Juice. I'm glad you brought this up. I, Argo for me has been the most work. And I also think that it's reflective, not just for me, but I think of, of all four of us. And I include Trav in this as the as the GM. It feels to me like we play graduation more as the characters instead of the four of us. It, you know, like in Balance and I think the other arcs, it was a heavier percentage of us being us and then going into character. And, and at least for me in Graduation, I really kind of focus on, on being Argo and not being dad, if that does that make any sure, sense yeah. at all, and I, mm-hmm. and I, and sure. I feel like it's it's it has taken on more of of playing the characters, you know. That's why I, I and I, I wanted to raise my acting game in graduation from the from the other arcs, and I'm just going to come right out and tell you, it's uh, because of you, Juice. You to me and I've said this in conventions, I've said this in other TTAZZs, I, your acting in all of these arcs always impresses me a lot. Um, oh, thanks, Dad. Well, because you, you get the character, you know the character. Playing the Fear Bowl can't be easy. It And especially early on, it had to have been tough. Um, because of what we do, and the very nature of this is Oh, there's a blank space. Got to fill it with some dialogue. Got to throw in a funny joke. That's where
2: you're
1: fucking wrong, bud. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) wrong. Do you know what a joy? What an absolute delight it is. Okay, this is why playing tacos fucking hard is because it was all it was all goof, goof, dilda, right? Like it's all like he he had to have like the line in the moment that was just self styled, coolest one in the room, right? Mm -hmm. He he had to be like. The smart aleck, or the smartest one with the the best one liner, or best zinger. With the fear bog, I could just fucking chill until I have something good and then bring my good shit and then peace out. It is a delight. It is a delight to not carry that weight. You know what a druid can do? Change into a dog and swing a limb. It's fantastic.
0: Druids can't
1: do anything.
0: I, I will say, I and, also and think I oh, the two things that have stood out to me. One, I remember the first time the fear bog talked. And that, like, was like, okay, well, <laughs> here we go. Uh, but it also, I think, has done a lot to help, like, leave space for people to talk. Like, it has improved over-talk a lot in playing the game. Because, mm. like... Because you have, to wait, for it, have so. to wait We have to wait. We have to leave the window there. We have to give an opportunity for it. Uh, the Fearbulk voice
1: was crafted because I was very sick a week before. And then that was the voice that came out. When I tried to do a low voice, <laughs> that was the voice that came out. And then the next week I was better. And I was like, oh, fuck. I'm not sure I can get back there. It's like having – it's like one of those days where you wake up and you have a perfect Michael Caine impression. And you just have it so for a little transient. bit. And it's like – Yeah. It's like, where did this come from? I didn't know I had a Michael Caine in there. And then it disappears. That's how I, f- I was so worried about the fear ball that I wouldn't um, get it back. I studied a lot of um, like Icelandic, that area – uh accents that felt good to me like that felt like the place that the, the, the fear bug would would um his accent was sort of refer to um so anyway yeah
3: well then as long as i made one bad assessment let me make another assessment griffin have you been digging the
0: hell out of playing Fitzroy? i was gonna ask the same thing how it's developed and how you feel about him
2: uh yeah i've really enjoyed playing fitzroy i i think that uh travis you've sort of teed teed me up for success in a lot of ways because um there's a lot of stuff that i i uh, find interesting about playing fitzroy uh but the flirtation with villainy uh is something that i am like extremely extremely into i think ask like um sort of dabbling in the question of like what evil is uh especially in the context of a game that codifies evil as much as DD does is like fun from a narrative element and like i Mm -hmm. don't think fitzroy is a bad person or an evil person but he is like in a way sort of defined by his ambition i guess is one way of Mm -hmm. thinking about it and like how does that what are the implications of that um well yeah because that's something we we have actually struggled with before because i remember in commitment
0: i was like i'm gonna make nadia kind of a jerk and like she doesn't really get along with people well and then we started playing and i was like i can't like i i cannot play that consistently like that is not something i could do so when i went into when i was like creating this and i'm thinking in terms of like hero and villain and like evil as like a classification rather than the thing of like What does it actually mean? All that stuff. And it's all about like the best villains are villains who like think that they are right. Like it's the reason like Lex Luthor who has like no powers aside from like ambition and smarts and money is such Mm -hmm. an interesting villain is Lex Luthor thinks Superman is the bad guy and that he is the
2: good guy. And that and is what, Thanos too. Yeah, right. Thanos I, for, as well. For me, it's a huge, a huge part of it is uh, Fitzroy, and I guess in a way like myself pushing against some of the core conceits of this entire world, and finding them like extremely immoral and questionable. Like mm-hmm. the, this, this world that has turned uh, war into like theatrics and turned, uh, you, you know, has has. Uh, commoditized or commodified, rather, uh, you know, the idea of good versus evil in a way that is, I think, if you take a step back from it, like pretty gross. I mm-hmm. think it's like a, yeah. it's a, it's a very, it's a neat conceit for a fantasy world. I'm not saying you are gross for coming up with it, but I think that I am. It, okay. <laughs> thanks to you, but it's a, it is a, it is a shit system. It is a yeah. shit system of 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 governance, and 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 I think that there is, uh, it is very difficult for me to separate my own uh feelings of our 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 real our real world, our real sort of system of governance being a completely shit system. And so like in, in a way his like the the way he feels about the world and the the links at which he is like willing to bend unjust rules I I like I don't think of as bad. I think of as sort of, I don't know, a natural reaction to uh, a a shit system like that. And, and um, let me be clear, the system is supposed to be shit. Oh, <laughs> like, no, that's
0: I know. I, I, I mean, but I'm just saying, like, that. even from the very beginning going into it, I was like, this is not good. Like, this is, <laughs> no. it, it, is, it, is it is one of those structures that I was talking about that I want you guys to push against, right? Because, yeah. like, the thing that I wanted, as we set out, is, like, to have characters who are branded as heroes, like the Commodore, who, like, are shitty people and people mm-hmm. who are branded as villains who are some of the most wonderful people we know and like the the classification of evil just being like someone who didn't do their job and so there's like some heroes like that are branded as evil because you know they they did things that just didn't fit into the structure of of this hero and villain system not cuz the thing that they did was bad and like it was it was more about like and it is about like the perception of someone being a quote lawbreaker, making them evil and having nothing to do with like the morality behind it and the intentions of it and stuff. And just really compelled by that.
2: Thanks. Um, I wanted to talk about this question real quick from Lucy and kind of like work it out. Uh, as I talk, uh, would you consider playing slash making a character who is a romantic and or asexual? Uh, which is something that like I have thought about specifically in regards to Fitzroy for, I mean, really since as, as long as we have been playing, Um, partially because right when we started Graduation, uh, The Outer Worlds came out. Did you guys all play that? Yeah. There was this amazing character, Parvati, who was an asexual character who was like, uh, it was a representation of asexuality in a, a, a game or piece of media that like I had never really seen before. Like there was a, uh, an attention to detail and a care, uh, and a sweetness about it that like, uh, I, you know, sort of took the the internet by storm and at the time like i was thinking about fitzroy and i didn't want it's it's a tricky thing right asexuality is a is a is a spectrum and the very last thing i would want to do is like paint a character who is so ambitious that like the he doesn't have time to be sexually attracted to anybody or he doesn't have uh or he has some sort of uh you know mental disorder that keeps him from like having that that particular attachment to people, uh, like I don't I don't I don't want his ambition and his sexual identity to be one and the same because I think that that is a kind of a problematic thing. But as we've gone on, and especially Trav in the episodes where he was having the sort of flashback to his time at at school at Clyde Knight's night school, like there is a there is a differentness about. Fitzroy that I think has has always been there that is not necessarily attributable to his to his ambition uh that I think just really came out in that episode that you know kind of fell in line with the way that his he has been developed throughout the whole season uh so I I I think of him as asexual which is not the same thing as being like a a romantic um and it's like a it's it is a difficult thing to kind of uh, set in stone because again it is like a a, a spectrum, but like I, I feel like over over time I felt like more comfortable with that being a a like sort of definitive part of his of his personality like it is just it is just in everything I've thought about in this character and I feel like I have thought about a lot of things like his and which is funny because I think the very first thing I said about him is that he's a very sexy sexual person it's looking, <laughs> looking back is uh, well, but that, that could a, be uh, other people's perception of him a, you know a, a not about jo- yeah sure sketch.
1: it all starts out with rough sketches
2: yeah
0: um that's yeah, something I mean, I'm I, still dealing with with Magnus is in the first
2: episode I talk about him having some like what like wo- sexy wood carvings or something sure I like I I, I think it's important important for us to like know a lot about our characters and we think a lot a lot a lot about our characters and this is an important thing to like think about our our, our characters but it i don't know it is a it's a decision that like i felt like uh was something i i wanted uh when when we started but uh, over time and especially during those flashback episodes i i feel like it it is just sort of it just makes sense.
1: Well, it's it's interesting when I first well, you talk about sexuality with characters, um, and when when I uh, you know Taka was a gay character, and that wasn't something that really came up for quite a quite a while. And I think I w- I've been oh op- like character creation is a useful term for video games and game games like we like that that is the parlance that we use, but. We, the way we do it, the way like the, the sort of role-playing games intertwined with narrative, it really often feels more like character discovery to me. Mm-hmm. Like the you discover – like I you don't have a fully formed idea of who this person is because you haven't l- sort of lived as them. And then as you play, you – I feel like at least this is the way it is for me – discover – The character more than you sort of like sit back with a a board and like write out their entire biography and who this character is and and everything about them. Like you discover the things that feel right in much the same way where if you get to know someone in real life, um, the first thing that you know about them may not be their sexual orientation and their gender identity or what have you um there's there's other things that you might learn first and it's that way with characters sometimes like you don't know all the the ins and outs of them until you've you've sort of lived and 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 inhabited them for a little bit
0: that and that was something to jump back again going into creative writing um like I I asked all three of you like what what is your character's sexual orientation because I didn't want to assume any of that and when Griffin said like you know I just don't think I don't think uh, like Fitzroy really feels it. I was like oh okay cool great like that is uh an interesting thing um to know about that character so that I didn't like assume anything so it also then informed for me like some potential scenes I could have coming up that would be like an interesting interaction between some characters just to see you know how everybody de- like that's the thing is it's interesting playing playing these games and doing these things is like we've talked about it before but there's so many levels going on where on the one hand we are all authors you know writing a story on the other hand we are all like players playing a game and then also we are all like family members like finding out things about each other's characters and stuff and so it's like i it's discovery is such a good word for it justin because there's things that come up where you're like oh this just opened so many different, like, you know, interesting things about, which is one of the reasons I think inclusivity in storytelling is, should be such a no brainer of just like, this has created so many more pathways for exploring this character's interaction with other people and finding out things about themselves and, you know, how all of that stuff that makes it so much more interesting to do. Um, Maybe we should wrap it there. Does
1: that
2: does that feel good, to everybody? <clears throat> should we should we talk about uh, where we are at in this story? Somebody asked about how long you think graduation will go. I don't know if that's something you want to like give a check in about or not.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I I think at this point, um, I think we're roughly I would say like two thirds, maybe less of the way through. Like the thing is, is at this point, I'm really trying to. So we had that that um, the open DMs, the DMs are open conversation with Matt Mercer and Austin Walker and Satine Phoenix and Victoria Rogers and me and Griffin, and like it was really it was so eye opening to me and really inspiring to me, and so I'm really really trying to take a lot more like hands off um like approach in the storytelling of just like okay great i i i have more than enough given you guys like all of these building blocks and now i want to let you play with it so it's the kind of thing where like maybe it's 10 episodes maybe it's 20 i don't know i want to see how how what direction you guys take it in and where it goes and i'm trying to fly by the seat of my pants a little bit more which is absolutely terrifying because the thing is is like aside from Uh Taz Nights, which was really just like one off, you know, puzzle room adventures, and Dust, which was a very, very linear story where I had worked out like down to the hour like information that came out. Like this is like I I've never done a long form campaign before. So I was trying to go into it with the same kind of linear writing that I'd done before. And I think that that was kind of stifling a little bit. So now I'm trying to like, well, I don't know, let's see how it goes. Uh, which is terrifying, but I also think opens up possibilities of different directions it could go. So I don't know. We'll see well, the party you're goes. doing a, you, you're really doing a good job, seriously. You're you.
1: proud of yourself. I mean yeah. we'll see and I'm proud I'm proud of you for listening to this entire entirely indulgent self indulgent <laughs> podcast uh we're sorry again for doing it and
0: <laughs> i'm not i I'm, I'm so love none of you. you are
1: listening at this point because you have turned off your radio with a flick of the knob you've discovered a knob on <laughs> out of somewhere some antique knob you've attached to your mp3 playing device and have turned it off in frustration but if not we would ask uh once again that you uh, please help us support the network. Maximumfund.org forward slash join is the place to go. If you can pledge five, ten bucks a month, uh, you're gonna get uh you know there's rewards, sure, but more importantly, you're gonna get the uh, the delight of a uh, supporting the things that you love. And uh, we 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 honestly we appreciate it so much. Um, and 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 thank you for any support. That you're able to lend.
0: Oh, uh, the, a new thing this year. Uh, I wanted to jump in real quick because we just recently got it uh, up and running on the site. Is boosting, and basically boosting is if you are already a Max Fund member uh, and you're not able to move up to the next membership level for whatever reason, you can boost your membership so slightly increase uh, your your monthly dues, as it were, um, without having to make the jump all the way up. It won't uh, it won't make you eligible for like the rewards that come, but if you have maybe been listening to some more shows or become you know an even bigger fan of the shows you are already listening to and you want to li- give a little bit more to support the art and artists you love, you can do that. Uh, Maximumfund.org slash manage uh, and the, the sign up once again to become a new member is Maximumfund.org slash join. And I just want to say on a personal level. Uh, going into this, we weren't really sure like what the response was going to be because we know like these are very uncertain times, and a lot of people have found themselves uh, in in pretty dire financial positions, not knowing what's coming in the future. And the fact that so many of you have still, uh, you know, made the decision to become new and upgrading members, it just really means a lot and that's not to pressure people who aren't able to because i know y'all are supporting in whatever way you can if it's sharing links or just like sharing the shows or whatever all of that matters and just all that support means a lot to us so thank you very
2: much uh yeah let's uh let's wrap it up i think we just did oh okay okay Okay, bye